0: Hi there, friends. This is episode 101 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff. I'm a pastor and an author and your host. And today, uh, we don't have an interview. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about is the incarnation. And this was a bit of a message that I gave at our first outdoor in-person worship service at my congregation and just a handful of people got together outside and uh, did some reading and some praying and had this message and someone had I'd actually asked on Facebook you know what should we talk about at an initial in-person service and one person commented on that well a few people commented on it but uh, one that jumped out at me was Talk about the power of the incarnation, and that's what I decided to do, Uh, and I thought I would share some of the thoughts here about that, and this idea of getting together in person. We are uh, able to do some of that now, where I am in Manitoba. I know lots of people are able to get together now, but there's still... People who can't or are uh, hesitant. And that's just going to be with us as a reality for, I think, a while. I'm recording this in July 2021. And um, there's still obviously cases of COVID around and um, some hesitancy around seeing people. um, At the same time, eagerness to see one another. Uh, One of the things that I brought up in that talk was. A quote from uh, a, a tiny little verse in Hebrews that I've heard quoted a lot, especially by people who have been trying to say, look, we have to get together or churches have the right to get together and shouldn't be stopped by government, which which I don't agree with. Um, I, like Our church has been streaming services and we are being cautious in how we regather, um, which... Uh, that's that's kind of our elders choice and uh, and I think that's wise you know there's lots of people that might have health concerns and things like that so uh, and we're a small church of a small building and uh, social distancing is a bit challenging so hence the outdoor gathering for us Uh, but it's this little verse that part of it just says not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some and it's sort of like has been used to, I think, pit people against one another, right? Some people are not meeting together, but we're supposed to, you know, obey what is in the Bible and not neglect to meet together. Uh, That verse, it's only half a verse. um, And here's a little more of it. It actually says, "...and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some." but encouraging one another. And I think it's fascinating, this uh, this verse that's kind of been used as sort of an us and them, you know, as is the habit of some, some of those people, those people over there, uh, they're neglecting to meet together, but we're not going to, we're going to come together. It's kind of been used as a, as a divisive sort of verse, but it's actually a verse about coming together. It's actually a verse about unity um, and... It's, it's asking us to consider, right? Let us think about how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And the meeting together is not actually the goal. It's actually the, the means, right? Uh, as we come together, it's a means, it's a method to encourage each other and to provoke each other to love and good deeds. And this is kind of what incarnation is about in a way. Uh, incarnation is talking about how God in Jesus came into the world, that he indwells the world. And there's been movements in the last number of years uh, to think about incarnational ministry or incarnational theology, uh, which basically, incarnational ministry will talk about how as Jesus indwells the world, so we too indwell the world. And uh, there's a, a translation of the gospel of John by Eugene Peterson, while the whole Bible by Eugene Peterson called the message. And in that translation, uh, there's this little verse in the prologue of John in the first chapter that talks about uh, God. uh, The word became flesh, Um, but Eugene Peterson's way of, of talking about that is the word or Jesus, you know, God in uh, the second person of the Trinity moved into the neighborhood uh, is the way he talks about it. And so we too, want to care about our neighborhoods, move into the neighborhood, you know, as God is with us in Jesus, so we too are with one another and with others. And so you see the connection to gathering together here, right? Um, But I ran across an article by Merwin Johnson, who was professor of theology at Union Presbyterian Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, And this article was Finding an Alternative to Incarnational Ministry. It was published in the Presbyterian Outlook in 2018. And Johnson points out a danger, and in essence, I'll summarize the argument. I don't know if he's quite saying this, but what I took from it was that uh, there's a danger that if we incarnate in a place as Jesus incarnates in the world— what we can tend to do is start to equate ourselves with Jesus. And you actually find that this is, this is quite true of the way, um, the faith and Christianity was, uh, was in terms of mission in colonialism right so it's sort of like the way that god is present in the world is through the church through christians through us so what we've got to do is we've got to go into the world to be present there so that the people can encounter god through us because if we don't do that oh no they're not going to encounter god and the implication here is that basically Christians are supposed to go out into the world, leave their churches, go out into the world, tell people about God, show people about God, and then they will be saved out of their lives and out of the, you know, the darkness of the world and into presumably the church and ultimately eternal life with God. And we've tended to or there's been in some places incarnational ministry has been made into that, which is actually the exact opposite of it but there is a bit of a danger kind of associating ourselves with you know we are going to be the embodied presence of God in the world that I think that's true but there's a danger in doing that because it can easily slip into just kind of the old patterns of well then we have the answers we're God's presence so we're going to go and 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 uh, you know try to get everybody on board with what we think and that's actually not what the incarnation is about So there's a danger there, but that's not what it's about. The incarnation is actually an affirmation of the body and an affirmation of the world. And we can go to John's gospel again, right? And say, for God so loved the world that he sent his son into it. And it's interesting as you read that gospel and as you read the Bible, you find that Jesus comes into the world not so that souls can get pulled out, out of it, right? Like, let's pull souls, let's pull our spirits out of the world, and to be, uh, you know, in heaven or whatever. The incarnation actually shows us that Jesus uh, enters the world fully, even entering the world as a vulnerable infant, in order to redeem the world itself. Um. So it's actually an affirmation of of the world, right? It's an affirmation of this bodily presence that we have, this bodily existence that we have. Uh, Jess Cast, who is a minister in the United Church of Christ, wrote an essay that appeared in the Reformed Journal in 2011. And that essay was called Incarnation Theology in the Body. And it opens in this beautiful way. I just want to read the opening The incarnation, this is the heart of my theology, the flesh, body, feelings, thinking, desire, touching, fighting colds, crying because of joy, butterflies in the stomach, eating healthy foods, drinking bold red wines, bruised knees, the mystery of walking on the sacred ground, and all the other many wonderful and difficult experiences that it goes through. This is the flesh that Jesus, that God put on. In Jesus, the incarnate word, we see the affirmation of the body, an affirmation we must not quickly gloss over. I just think that's beautiful. And she goes on from there to not gloss over this affirmation of the body, this affirmation of our embodied existence. So there's something about the incarnation of Jesus that actually leads us to our own sense of our embodiedness in the world and our own affirmation of the world itself. At the same time, the incarnation of Jesus is completely unique. So it's not that Jesus is just an incarnation of God, and then we're all just little incarnations of God running around. Um, This is perhaps the danger that Johnson points out to us in that 2018 article, um, that there's something special about about Jesus. And that draws us in. Um, this is, you know, this is why we have a celebration once a year called Christmas, which is the celebration of the incarnation in Jesus. Uh, and at the same time, so even though Jesus' incarnation is unique, we we do. People who follow Jesus do actually represent God. And so the incarnation is not just about God with us in Jesus um, or by the Holy Spirit. It's actually about the way God is with us. And this is revealed in this unique incarnation of Jesus, right? Because we can actually see the way the incarnation works in Jesus. And then we can try to live that same way. Um, and, And so we're supposed to live this same way with one another and with other people. And so there's this great... Uh, text about this in Philippians chapter two, where Paul uh, writes about, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And you notice here that it's about outlook and intention, right? Like have the same mind that was in you. And he summarizes this outlook and this intention as not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And so incarnation, it's not self serving right it's not like the church tries to go out into the world so that the church can somehow get more people for itself no it's not self-serving um it's it's actually really is about the other people it actually really is about uh serving others it's also not self-protecting as in i'm just gonna protect myself at all costs and everyone else should just behave that way too no 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 like The Incarnation shows us that the way that we are in the world is always other-focused. The way God is with us in love is actually by identifying with us fully. In all of this, presence is actually really important. Like, being together physically when possible is really important. But technologically assisted or technology assisted when it's not possible to be together, right? So it's actually okay. It really is okay that we've had to have streaming services, that we've had to, oh, no, pick up the phone and talk to somebody on the phone. Um, This is obvious, actually, if you read the Bible, uh, you find that, um, you know, people being together is important. Gathering together is important, but they used technology when they were not able to be together. Paul used technology all the time. (laughs) You wonder, look, what am I talking about? Paul's technology was letter writing. We have all these letters, like a whole bunch of the New Testament is made up of letters, which was the connection technology that was available to them at the time to be there for them. Um, In in this letter to the Philippians, Paul uh, writes um, after this beautiful um, hymn that he Inserts into that letter about Jesus emptying Himself and becoming a servant, and um, and how we're called to have that same mind of emptying ourselves and becoming servants. Uh, it, just after that, he talks about, you know, I'm going to ask you to obey me or or follow the instructions that I'm giving you, uh, just as you did in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He says. So it's interesting that in Paul's letter writing. His absence, like his uh, his inability to be present with them actually heightens the urgency for him. Now much more so that I'm not present with you. And how true has that been that our faith actually has to become more intentional? So it's like when when we could get together every week at church or in a small group or whatever, and we could just see one another, there's a lot of things that we could just sort of take for granted. We could just rely on that. But when we haven't been able to do that, How much more so now that we can't just rely on being together for that? Paul also writes over and over again how he longs to see members of the church. You know, he's separated from them. He spends time in prison. And we know that being together in person, we know it is really good. Just like Paul longing to see people, we have all of us now experience that longing. Um, Others of us might have experienced that longing before, you know, people who have actually had to to live in isolation for one reason or another for health reasons prior to to COVID. um, They've had to go through that and, and face that. We know that being together in person is good, but we also know that it is not everything, right? It's not everything. Paul in that chapter in Philippians chapter two, he writes near the end that even if he is, um, it, he it's this weird phrase of being poured out as a libation, but he's talking about, it's actually talking about him dying uh, in jail, like being put to death. And he says, even if that happens, I know that I'm in jail because of um, talking about Jesus and trying to spread this gospel of radical inclusion for all people in God's family is is basically what the gospel is that Paul's professing. Um, and he gets put in jail for that. Uh, he says that, you know, even if I'm killed, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And it's interesting he uses the word with because he's actually not with them. Um, but by this letter writing right he's like we but we are we're together in spirit Um, and even if I'm separated from you by death I'm glad and rejoice with you so like nothing can stop that sense of being with uh, which is really quite fascinating so if we think about that you know we're gonna have people who Even when churches do start to get back together, there's going to be people who are joining online, or there's going to be people who um, just can't come to those church buildings or spaces anymore. But we are with one another, and we have to do everything we can to try to keep those connections. And if we've got technology that can help us do it, then great, let's use that technology. Um, We also have to remember in all of this, though, that being together in a worship service It actually is not the main goal. If we remember that passage from Hebrews that gets quoted a lot, um, the gathering, whether it's in person or online, is meant to encourage incarnational living. How can we live as Jesus lived? How can we serve as he served? How can we bring our whole selves and our whole beings with grace, love, humility, solidarity to the spaces we inhabit, each place we encounter God's beautiful creations, including the earth itself, animals, and of course people? The incarnation teaches us this beautiful affirmation of everything God has created. It teaches us the deep love God has for all of humanity, including even you and me. And if we have to, we'll use technology to connect. We can have things like worship services online. We've just done that. But we do need to be aware and maybe are more aware now of some of the heightened danger with only relying on technology. There's a danger that exists that is offline as well. But it's just easier to slip into online. And the danger is this, that we won't open ourselves to deep connection. It's not that deep connection can't happen online, it can. It's just that online, uh, or even on the phone, it's far easier for us to disconnect, to only project a version of ourselves for others to see. And it's far easier to interact in such a way as if other human beings aren't really on the other end. The invitation then, in the incarnational life, is for us to enter deeply into our own embodied lives and relationships with people and with all of creation. To see it all, to wonder at the beauty of it, and fall in love with all of it, and so be fully part of it, experiencing all of it. The incarnation of Jesus teaches us that God's way is not one of pulling souls out of the darkness of the world. It is one of him entering the world alongside us and renewing it. But in order for us to participate, we have to first be fully in deep connection. And yes, being together in person, it does help. When we're together in person, We realize that even if we say nothing, just seeing one another is encouragement in a way that the online space can never really do. Just being together and knowing we are praying together, hearing the same readings, and that we are in the same room or in the same field, it matters. It spurs us on without us having to do much work. it provokes us to love and good deeds. In the online world, we have to be far more intentional, intentional about our participation. And so, yes, let's be intentional when we have to. Let's always be intentional. But also as we have opportunities to see people in person, whether it's in a church service or whether it's just one or two others let's realize that we do need that. We need that deeper connection in the same way that God entered deeply into our lives in Jesus Christ and is still with us by the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, friends, for listening today. And I hope you find this message helpful, and I do hope that you find some opportunities to connect with people in person Uh, whether that's in uh, a group for um, a time of worship or prayer um, or even if it's just at a restaurant for a meal or at a friend's house in a backyard. um, I do hope you find those opportunities. And um, as you need to continue to connect online, uh, please do that as well and be intentional in how you do that. Um, because you need to continue to be intentional about your faith. Thanks for listening today. Take care.